Hi, my name is Peter Francis. And I'm Michael Kiriazis. We're with Goat Hope. You are listening to the Fearless Investor Podcast with my good friend, Kyle Stanley. Keep listening to learn how to conquer the world of investing. I believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income. It is instead measured by your availability of choices, especially the choice to live life on your terms. I also believe there are many ways to create wealth, but one thing is for certain. You have to have a laser focus on one path. My path, Airbnb, but I also believe in education and expanding your mind. Education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before. Join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in Airbnb, real estate, and so many more investment strategies. Together, we can conquer the world of investing. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast. Wow, today I have a special treat for you here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. Michael Kiriazis and Peter Francis with Goat Hoat. They are going to bring you just so much amazing, powerful knowledge here in the Airbnb and short-term rentals industry, especially diversifying your business, which they were forced into doing right around when COVID started, losing $90,000 of reservations on the day that COVID really started, but still persevering through and almost quadrupling their business in less than a year and a half. Uh, so Cannot wait to, to get to this episode. We did it in our Facebook group. Uh, as I've mentioned before, our Airbnb Kickstart Mastermind Facebook group is a private group, and it is something that our, it, it's reserved especially for our students. And so if you want to learn how to become one of our students, all you have to do is honestly just look at any of my content, and it'll drive you to where you want to be. But it, especially if you want to go to my Instagram, uh, which is at fearlesskyle, and click on that link in the bio. It talks about applying for our Airbnb Kickstart Mastermind and course. Um, and I can answer any questions and you can see all of the information right there of what it looks like to be a part of it. So uh, before we get started, though, with Peter and Michael, let's go ahead and thank our sponsors, Boostly. Lynn Mark Simpson with Boostly, he says, listen up. If you didn't know, it's 2021. Things are changing in the short-term rentals world. Funny enough, that is exactly what our topic is today with Peter and Michael. Uh, host, you can't keep relying on Airbnb to bring all of your business. You have to start booking directly to your customer. How do you do that? You do it with a WordPress site. And WordPress sounds like a lot of work or a lot of money, a lot of time, right? Well, that's where Boostly comes in. They're hosting and uh, servicing over 600 clients nationwide and actually worldwide. And they're one of the best in website design for the short-term rentals industry. Pricing starts right around $99, and it doesn't matter if you have one property or 100. And once again, Mark Simpson, the founder of Boostly, he tells me that you are guaranteed to get your uh, direct bookings up with all the tools, training, and the website or your money back. Again, that's Boostly, and you can find it at boostly.co.uk forward slash fearless. Boostly is B-O-O-S-T-L-Y co.uk forward slash fearless your future business will thank you all right let's go ahead and get to it with michael and peter here on the fearless investor podcast hey guys welcome into the fearless investor podcast uh we've got a really special show today uh peter francis and michael curiosis and yes i had to practice michael's last name about seven or eight times before we got on here <laughs> full transparency guys what's going on thanks for being on the show yeah oh, thanks for having it. us Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So we're going live in the Facebook group too. So we're going to be getting some questions around here. Uh, really excited for the engagement that we're going to get today. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, 
uh, and you hear me saying, hey, we got a question from so-and-so. This is our uh, private mastermind group, uh, just under 50 members that are getting the high level and uh, the access to these guys before it even goes live. So that's why you're hearing some questions. But guys, let, let's get started with my favorite question. What is your craziest, wildest, or funniest um, Airbnb moment in your three-year career now? Sure. I think, uh, I think really a big defining moment for us was we were one year into our business at a comedy club with all of our friends and family, literally celebrating our one year anniversary. We had just broken even as a business one year in, and this is all doing rental arbitrage. So we had to pay all that stuff off. It's great. We were booked out through the summer. We literally had one property that we were half booked for in June and we're going to profit six grand from that, just that one half of month. Uh, and while we're at the club, uh, we're already laughing and Peter gets a text about the extenuating circumstances. And so now we're even more, you know, hysterically laughing. And I think we went on to lose about 90 grand in cancellations over the next 24 hours. Oh my gosh. Uh, we had to do some pivoting and figure it out from there. So it, it was, was funny in both ways. Completely. It was yeah. one of those things where you're just like, oh man, I thought we were about to make it. <laughs> and it just kind of seemed like a little comical part of, um, uh, just our life and our kind of journey. It was like, uh, wow. Everything looks yeah. Great. Well, and, and a scary moment, right. But wh when did you guys find that things started kind of getting back to normal or that, you know, that $90,000 that hit you so hard was now starting to get recouped? Yeah, it was really bad through like partway through June. And then by July, we were finally profiting again and we were able to make up everything by the end of the year. But I think we still made like a fifth of what we were supposed to make. Yeah. And we kind of got a credit where we were able right. to kind of grow is um, compared to other management companies. Um, when we switched to management, uh, they weren't getting booked. Right. We were, I, I'll say we were a little bit more risk adverse where we thought we had pretty good screening systems. So where we would take, we would lower our prices, kind of fill up the calendar and still be and kind of do a little bit of a longer stay approach. Right. And so our, some of our clients, we're going to their other clients be like, Hey, how's your calendar? Like we haven't had a booking in a month. And the guy's like, we're not doing great. We're making eight, we were about 80% filled, mm. making 80% of what we're supposed to, but at least we're bringing something in during mm. these kind of crazy uncertain times. And that was kind of our way of sticking out. Right. Wow. Well, that, that's a good little teaser into what we're really going to be talking about today. Cause I know there's so much during COVID that you guys transitioned, uh, you grew big time. Uh, but before we we go into that, I want to kind of turn back the clock three years. What were you guys doing before Airbnb? What brought you together to to do this business? Sure, yeah. So uh, about five years ago, I was in uh, corporate consulting on the digital marketing side. Uh, left um, my uh, our our third partner and my my girlfriend Maria. We uh, wanted to go start a business. We started doing uh, e-commerce, selling things on Amazon, did a little bit of digital marketing consulting on the side because that's where I'd come from and then got into real estate. We didn't realize that like you could do real estate so early. We thought you had to add money. We didn't know you could use other people's money. So we started flipping houses and like, you know, everyone's first home flip, it was taking too long, spending too much money on the construction right. and for the price we wanted at the end. And Peter and I were talking actually on a trip. We were like, we've always wanted to do something together. What can we do? And a need at the time was we need something to do with this property while it sits and waits to be sold. So we were like, well, Airbnb. And um, it ended up actually selling, but because of how excited we were by that, um, we actually went out and started leasing properties. 
Yeah. And kind of out of college for myself, I was in automotive marketing. I did like riding drives or you'd see me working at like an auto show, um, going over um, just the different vehicles and everything. And it was awesome. I got to travel a lot, but I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do full time. Um, and luckily, I have uh, two uncles who started their own business and be built up a pretty successful business. And I wanted to work in the office, see kind of how they did it. And after a year, I realized there's, there's no book to entrepreneurship. It is basically figure it out. And once I kind of started to realize that, and Michael had the idea, we always wanted to work together. We're, we're childhood friends. So nice. uh, two kind of matched up. I was in Detroit. He was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. We had about three leases and then I full-time made, the, uh, made the move here. That's awesome. How cool is that, that you guys being childhood friends now are, you know, building this empire together? It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it definitely is. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, me personally, you know, I was doing this by myself essentially uh, for the first, call it two years. And then my best friend reached out to me and said, hey, I want to do the same thing. And, and I can just say from a personal standpoint, like being able to do this with a friend has been so awesome. Uh, but I bet too, there's probably some struggles there of like, you guys are probably so comfortable with each other that uh, it's easy to argue about some stuff, huh? <laughs> it's better that way. The, yeah. Like, I think the yeah. fact that we can be honest and be like, no, it needs to be done this way or, or call yeah. each other out when we need right. to. Like, I don't think we ever tiptoe around anything which gets us to the best no, answer. There's, there's no tiptoeing. Right. Which is, <laughs> which is good. We're, we're, I mean, we kind of grew up together. We spent time living with each other and stuff. Yep. So it's... It's one of those things where I kind of know his strengths and weaknesses. He knows my strengths and weaknesses yeah. and we can kind of play off of them. That's Positive. awesome. So division of labor. what's that, Michael? Say that again. I think we have a very good division of labor as well. You know, we each let each other run at the things that we're more experts on and, and trust each other in that way too. Yeah, that's good. Is that what you guys kind of do? You, Michael, you have your set of responsibilities, Peter, you have yours and you don't cross over those boundaries for each other. Uh, not a ton. I mean, we definitely do a lot of working together, but we're the clear owner of those. That's great. That's really good. Um, and how, how old are you guys? 30. Just turned. Just turned 30. <laughs> okay, nice. You, you both look like you're mid-20s, so <laughs> that's a good Hopefully thing. Meanwhile, I'm over here looking like I'm uh, 33 going on 50. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, uh, let me ask you this. So you were in, one of you was in Chicago, one of you was, you, one of you was in Detroit. But now you're both in San Diego, right? We're both in Chicago now. Right. In Chicago. Okay. Got it. I'm in San Diego yes. now that we're there. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So where was the first city that you launched? Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Um, I tried to do Chicago and Detroit at the same time, but Detroit kept falling through. Okay. And, and I mean, I know Chicago and Detroit and especially even San Diego, like some of these cities that you've been in have mm -hmm. gone through restrictions and regulations um what what was that like just having to deal with those kinds of cities yeah it's it's kind of the biggest threat to our business um chicago was strict but if you knew the rules then and you followed them then you were good and um back then it was kind of nice there was a barrier to entry for people and we knew the rules and we knew how to follow them unfortunately chicago keeps threatening like even stricter regulations which is kind of the classic city of chicago they don't really do anything that helps them actually make money 
Um, but we'll, we'll see. They, they, it was supposed to go into effect last year and then now June 1st and hasn't really gone into effect yet. So we'll see what happens, but you know, we've already had a just before, um, Detroit was about to ban it right after we were doing that stuff. That's mm-hmm. why we took the foot off the pedal, but I know, um, you know, Theron Lewis and them have helped, um, get better regulations put in place, which is really impressive. Hopefully I think he's doing stuff in Chicago. Hopefully he can help us here too. Yeah. And then right before we got on here, we were talking about you guys um, going into Philadelphia now and Philadelphia is talking about bands. So th- this is kind of a common theme for, for the, <laughs> the cities that you guys are going into, which is rough, but what have been maybe like some tricks or um, tips that you have for the audience of, Hey, if you are in a place that is restricted, here's how you can still possibly do business there. I mean, it's really meeting other hosts in your area and finding out exactly what the rules are and what's allowed. Like we know now in Chicago to target, you know, specific types of properties that give us the best chance that are going to be safe from regulation for a while. But to us, it's also mitigating your risk. It was a big reason for us to start spreading out throughout the country was just in case one of our cities goes down, we have Airbnbs all around and and it should be okay. So like, like Peter was saying, because he was in Detroit when we started, we built this business remote. Um, so it's allowed us to be able to go into you know, eight, you know, soon to be 10 cities in the country. And the harsher regulations is probably not only was COVID a big reason for why we expanded into vacation rentals um, in lake towns, but so is regulations. Like, I think these cities who aren't used to Airbnb or short-term rentals are freaking out a little bit because they have never dealt with them before. But if we can go into markets that have always been short-term rentals or vacation mm. markets, mm. it not foolproof, but it gives us the highest chance of them being okay with it in the long run. I really like that. I, I think I, I've never heard it put that way that it's, you know, if, if it was already a vacation rental area, that's probably a great place to go because they're used to it. Um, so Peter, what, what were some of the like lake towns that you guys decided to go after and what was it about those vacation areas that, that attracted you to them? So it was funny. One of our main investors here in Chicago said he was going to buy his house in Southwest Michigan in the city called Coloma. We both grew up in Michigan. We had no idea what Coloma was, where it was. <laughs> and we ended up going in on a purchase on these, um, on this campus where it has five cottages. They were just, um, basically they're just, they're brand new. And the, the previous owner built them up and he wanted to move on to his next project uh, right on Pawpaw Lake. So now we've actually have those five cottages. We've converted a shed into another cottage. We bought the house next door. Him and his buddies are now taking over this little town of Coloma where we're going to have about, uh, what is it? 12 to 13 properties, I think just in this city. Um, From there, also close to Chicago Mm -hmm. is, um, so you get a lot of people from Chicago travel. It's about two hours to Coloma about an hour on Lake Michigan is Michigan City, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So we wanted something too where we could still um, kind of promote to our Chicago audience because you get a little bit more of locals or you have a lot of people living in apartments in Chicago. You bring your family in out of town, you get an Airbnb just because you need that room to host. Right. And the other one was Lake Geneva. So kind of Midwest, Lake Towns, yeah. um, real big summer populations, not so much winter. And to kind of say that our next city that we're going to start targeting is Northern Michigan and like Boyne City, um, just because we'll have that, those summers. Summer in Michigan's crazy. People will pay <laughs> ridiculous. It's the only thing we have to look forward to. 
So really, Ritz, yes, right? yeah, I it was a Fourth of July, and I was like, oh, I want to go up to Boyne. Let me see. It cost me more to spend two days at a uh, Best Western in Traverse City than it would three days at the Ritz downtown Chicago. Oh my gosh! So I was aware of, I was like, okay, this is a. <laughs> and what what's driving people there at that time? So you have your summer. It's just the weather. You yeah. in Michigan, you really mm-hmm. only have about two months of beach. And we have so many lakes, yeah. so everyone has their boats. So whether you're coming from Metro Detroit area or whether you're coming from the Chicago uh, area, you get a lot of traffic up to northern Michigan. And then in the winter, it has a great, uh, great skiing. Wow. So it would be able to um, kind of address be full season. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, so I guess what I'm gathering from your story right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but pre-COVID, maybe there wasn't as much diversity as there is today. Correct. Okay. So let's talk about that transition. COVID hits, you guys see in 24 hours, $90,000 gone in reservations, probably wondering if you should go back to your nine to five jobs, I'm guessing. <laughs> and um, what what at that time, obviously, you know, after the dust settled a little, little bit and you were able to make a plan, what, what was the plan moving forward and where was that plan coming from? Yeah, I mean, it was really a two-pronged pivot. Part one was get into vacation rentals because the one thing that's surviving and thriving during COVID was that everybody wanted to work. You know, they were all working from home. So it was like, why not work at a lake? Let's get away from the city. So that was part one was to expand that into our portfolio. Nice. Um, the biggest thing though, was at the time, the market was so strong for COVID. We used to joke that we could literally Airbnb a shoebox. So we were going out signing every lease we could, and we were starting to do a really good job of building relationships with landlords and agents to find them. We were growing really fast. Um, We only had a couple clients at the time, and to prove ourselves to them, we were actually doing a model where um, we only make money if they make money. So our model was that we would make 70% of everything above market rent and nothing if we were under market rent. So at the time, it was great. We were actually making a good amount of money doing it, proving ourselves to our clients, when you can't make market rent because it's COVID, you don't make any money. Um, so, so the, really yeah. quick, sorry, br- break that down for me. So, let yeah. let's say market rent was two thousand dollars. Yep. Okay. Um, you're saying once you hit two thousand dollars, then you guys were earning seventy percent on even, top of. Even tougher, we had to make we had to bring in two thousand more than two thousand plus expenses. Okay. So of net income. So basically, you know, if we brought in. $4,000 and spend 500, then we would make 70% of everything above 2000. Okay. So you'd make 70% of $1,500. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Okay. That that's really unique. That's the first time I've heard of something like that. I love that because it gives that, uh, that owner a little bit of peace of mind that they're not right. going to be in the hole. There's nothing like pitching someone saying, we're not going to make money unless you make money. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to stop there for a second and and get more of an idea of that. So keep going. Sure. So we really had to shift both the fact that uh, lease arbitrages are amazing when the market's up, you make so much money and and they're starting to look now. So we're, we're thinking about doing more again now, but um, you know, when the market's down, you're liable for all the expenses, all the lease. And, and we had an out in every single one of our lease. We, we, we didn't get it. We don't get in any leases without inability to get out of it. Um, but we actually ended up keeping all of our leases through COVID because we were able to recover by June. We really thought about getting some, but we shifted heavily into growing the management side of the business at a flat percentage. 
Um, now, what we were doing back then, because we were still in these areas that don't make a ton of money, um, especially with management in Chicago, um, we were doing 20% of net income, but at least we were making money every month to cover our, you know, to cover us. Um, but uh, now that we're in vacation rentals and we've seen what some of the crazy rates some of these people charge up in Northern Michigan, they're charging what, 50%? Yeah, of, they're of 50% of management. Or yes. Whoa. Right. Yeah, fifty of the gross, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So we 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 now at least we charge twenty five percent of revenue. We're okay. we're, at, we're at a point in the business where we don't have to take on everything that's brought to us or that we find, and we're at a point now where we've proven ourselves. We have a very good track record, especially number wise, that we can demand a twenty five percent management that's, fee of, of revenue. That's awesome. Okay, so so basically, what I'm hearing here is that you guys. Um, really transition over to the co-hosting model during, during COVID, but you did it in a way that was fair to the owners right. so that it was a little bit more attractive. Is that right? Exactly. We wanted right. to have a little bit in the skin, a skin in the game to help them make money in tough times. Yeah. So you said something there about, you know, arbitrage making just a ton of money. And I know, um, you guys have about 15 arbitrages. You've got about 10 that you own. And then the other, what is that? 35 totaling up to 60 are co-hosting. So of those three, um, which have you liked the most and which of them did you feel like is the least risky? Well, the least risky is management. Yeah. Um, you're going to make money, you know, each month, uh, no matter what. And your biggest risk is how much time are your clients going to take us. So it is really important to set up boundaries up front. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, it's probably the, when it comes down, it's probably the easiest too. You don't have to, you don't have to do all the utilities. Uh, so, you know, the, the maintenance from guests is on you, but not maintenance of the house, uh, you know, bigger items. Uh, we, I mean, we have some clients who very much trust us. We don't hear from them all month. We run their place at Airbnb, make them a good amount of money, send them a payment on PayPal with a report at the end of every month. And we make a, you know, a good chunk ourselves and everybody's happy. I mean, in that scenario, that's got to be the easiest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, You're I like the lease, operations. What I you? like lease arbitrage just because it's like, <laughs> it's my place. I'm going to run it out. We kind of make the decisions. I'm not going back and forth or doing something. Um, have to bounce it off of mm -hmm. someone. Um, but I also loved it. And that's what we started with. And kind of going through the downtimes or even going through winters um, or slow seasons. I do like the management. I like the idea of trying to bring something in um, at all times of the year. And obviously our, our long-term goal is to own. Mm -hmm. We want to build enough um, wealth through real estate so we can retire and management helps us get us there. Running on Airbnb helps us get us there faster. But um, ideally like these cottages, that's the perfect situation where we go in with a group, right. we, uh, partly own, but as well as we are the management company that comes with it. So kind of double dip a little bit. Okay. Awesome. So when, when you guys got in though, you were full arbitrage, right? Yeah, completely. Okay. Okay. So my, my question really comes from when you had this transition and you decided like, okay, co-hosting was the way to go. Was there resistance? Was there like, uh, we feel like we're settling for co-hosting now that we're having to change the model or were you excited about doing that? 
we just wanted to bring something in during yeah. uncertain times to keep the business afloat and uh have something to build and work on and still add new listings and right. you, every time you add a new listing you get pretty excited about it that's awesome what's been the the best way i mean with 60 listings i don't know how many owners that is that you're working with what's been your number one way of growth marketing Oh, now it's by far become word of mouth. I yeah. mean, we used to do everything from cold calling and uh, Zillow blasting Zillow and um, just talking to everyone we could. We got to a point where we actually had to say, hold on a minute. We're growing enough from word of mouth alone that we had to uh, get deep and do our operations for a few months and make sure our team was fully built out to keep handling our growth. We're just at that point now where our team's doing a really good job, um, our internal team, and uh, we're ready to grow again. So we might start doing some marketing again, but we're, we're really happy with the things that are coming to us from word of mouth and from our clients and referrals from our clients. And kind of like Peter said, we just really want to impress the, couple, the, the clients that we have now so that we can all go in together and hopefully we'll bring in our friends and family too and buy as many real estate assets as we can hopefully things that cash flow is long-term rentals that we can keep forever as a as a retirement and we'll use our expertise in the meantime to manage it on airbnb and either pay it off faster or buy the next one quicker yeah i i think you know i i definitely think a question is going to be here if you like co-hosting so much if you like arbitrage so much then why are you wanting to own why, why is that the one thing that you want to do? Especially like, I, I think about it from a, um, all, you know, going all in standpoint, you know, if I go all in on the co-host, I don't owe anything. I don't, I don't have any money in the deal. If I go all in on arbitrage, call it 10 to $15,000. But when I go all in to purchase a house, man, I can be upwards of a hundred thousand dollars. So why is it that that's where you guys eventually really want to be? It's a, it's a job. It's a salary. Uh, it's a great way to make money, but it's, you know, it could go away at any point. The, mm. the market could go away at any point, both the economy or what if short-term rentals isn't the thing anymore, Airbnb goes away. Or, I mean, I know we're doing, you know, we're spreading ourselves out with having our own website and all, but what if, what if the travel industry blows up? Mm. We, we need to have assets that are going to make us money forever. And I think that's the way you truly retire one day. Yeah, I think that's so good. I was just having a conversation with a, a friend of mine yesterday who's also in real estate wholesaling. He has a VA company as well. And, and you know, we were kind of catching up and, and he said, you know, what, what's next for you? And I said, well, I'm just building things up just in case this industry ever does fall through. Right. And he's like, why would it ever fall through? And I was like, I don't think it ever will. And, but I have to be prepared for that. I'd be foolish to, you know, we, none of us, None of us thought that COVID would ever happen, right. but the ones that were, you know, preparing for some sort of rainy day, whatever that looks like, right. were, were a little bit more ready than the ones that were just like, yeah, money's coming in and it's always going to come in. And so for that reason, I can spend it all the time. You know, um, that's, that's why 2008 happened, right? <laughs> so, um, I love that. And I, I think, I think it's, it can be a little bit doom and gloom. Um, to think of like worst case scenario all the time, but it is such a strong way to, to build your businesses. If you're always thinking about, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Am I okay with that happening? And how can I, you know, um, weatherproof my, 
my business so that when the worst does happen, it's not as bad. I think that's a great place to be. So excited to hear that you guys are doing that. Um, speaking of uh, some obstacles, Gracie uh, just posted in our group. She said, what's the greatest obstacle you guys encountered in your arbitrage journey? And how did you overcome that? So arbitrage, I guess, is what she's focusing on there. Greatest obstacle and how did you overcome it? And maybe the COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think that is probably the greatest right. obstacle just because we, Michael does a really good job with uh, when he sets up our leases that we haven't out. If we're, if for some reason, we're unable to put the home on Airbnb or the apartment on Airbnb, we are able to get out of our clause or out of our, um, out of our lease. Right. And we'll, we'll obviously help um, the building try to find a new tenant or anything. We'll, we'll do our part there. But going through COVID and seeing a house, an apartment you may rent for, let's say 2,500 and you're lucky to get 12. Um, it was, it was tough. It was, how do we keep this money? Luckily we, you took out a loan. Yeah. We were able to keep business afloat. And then we were able to kind of, by the time June uh, came around, we were starting to get a little bit of management. Um, some travel was coming back. It was, it was really tough because we were only in Chicago at the start and winter's already bad enough here. It's such a seasonal state for a city. Um, but we had just signed two apartment buildings, uh, full arbitrage in San Diego. So not only do we just kind of come out of a winter where we built up, a, Michael did a good job of building up our reserves, but we just signed an $11,000 lease yeah, as well. Like 20 as 20 grand in the furniture. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> wow. That, so can you tell me a little bit about what these outs look like and how you negotiate them? Sure. Yeah, we, um, we have a very, very explicit relationship with all of our landlords, which is why I think we've kept them all. We have very good relationships with our landlords. I think they appreciate us because we we're keeping their places full at a good rate. We're paying more over time. We're taking care of their place. We have extra insurance on their place. You know, the, the normal pitch for our arbitrage. So just to make sure we're protected in these leases, we number one, sign every lease in a business name and it's an LLC specific to that lease. Um, just in case you have to have asset protection there. Um, and then we have an amendment in every single one of our leases that specifically says we are renting this place to put on short-term rental sites and are allowed to put on short-term rental sites. And then we have another uh, clause in there that says if anything hinders our ability to um, short-term rental these places, whether it's regulations or economy or anything like that, then we're allowed to exit with, I think we usually do like 30 day notice. Um, we even put in there too, like if for some reason they stop allowing us, if they stop allowing us to short-term rental, we're out immediately. I think we do 30 or 60 day notice yeah. depending on the landlord if we're gonna leave. That's good. So essentially the things that are out of your control is right. what allows you to be able to get out. It's not, right. hey, we're not good at our job anymore, so we're going to get out. It's, it's, hey, are the city or a COVID or something out of our control happened. Okay, yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, I get this question a lot. I know how I answer it, but I want to hear how you guys answer it. Um, someone says, hey, I just created my LLC, and every apartment that I'm talking to is saying, you can't, you know, do it unless your LLC has been in existence for X amount of years or has credit or, you know, it has to be more established. Um, did you encounter that at all? And um, do you, you did. Okay. Talk about so, that. 
two, two, two things on that. Number one, move on. There's plenty of other places. If, if you're getting off to that kind of relationship with the landlord, you don't want to work with them. Um, they're too strict. We've had, we've had at least five plus that we have spent a month at least negotiating, getting everything put together. Um, and we're explicit from the start. Everything I just told you, I tell them in the first five minutes of meeting them because I don't want to waste my time if they're not okay with us doing all that stuff. And we get to the, the closing table or, or we're going to pick up keys or we're going to do the final signing. And yeah, all of a sudden they're not okay with an LLC. They want us to personally guarantee it happens actually, unfortunately, a lot. That's why we're so explicit. Yeah, well, Peter was on his way to pick up keys in Detroit. Yeah, I went, my buddy, he was going in on this one too. We got all the furniture. We've been talking for months. <laughs> the day I'm supposed to pick up keys, I'm a couple miles away. No one's answering my call. I go to the office, office is locked. About a week later, he goes, oh, the owner doesn't want Airbnb. He didn't know it was yeah. Airbnb. It's like, ah, we, we've had this talk uh, yeah. a million times and still it just doesn't click. Um, it, I'd say really the most important thing you can do too, other than being explicit from the start to not waste time is build a credibility package. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you have to sell yourself life and business are sales. So the more you can point to your website or a presentation or landlord references from your other landlords, the more you have those things, the more trustworthy you'll become to that person. I love it. I love it. Guys, this is so much value. I want to um, ask two more questions from our group. Uh, it actually comes from the same person. His name's Kyle Colette. Kyle says, uh, first of all, what are your recommendations when submitting an application with the city or county for a short-term rental permit? Any special tips there? Uh, yeah, usually. Yeah, no, uh, we really didn't have much for, even with Chicago, it was, we kind of just knew what the regulations were going to be. We will put it under... Uh, so in Chicago, it's funny, you can have a max of six in a building and up to 25%. So essentially, if you have a seven unit building, only one can go on Airbnb. If you have a nine unit building, only two can go on Airbnb. So with those ones, we were able to put it under um, our business. When we register, it'd be Goat that would register as well as our email. And those have been fine. I'd, I'd really just say try to learn um, what regulations and kind of what the city does. Right. If they have rules, they're going to, usually they make you follow them. I mean, Scottsdale is, I guess, the one that they, but they, they'll reach out to you too. Scottsdale is the one that you're supposed to reach out to them. Other than that, every other city we've been in that actually has rules, when you put your listing up on Airbnb, they make you fill all that stuff out. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. A backup on that is, you know, call it like a Scottsdale if Scottsdale is not, or, or a city is not very active, mm -hmm. um, but you know that it's something that needs to be done, is there any, any like advice? Should you just get it out of the way or should you wait until they send you a letter um, saying like, you need to put this up? What, what do you say? I, I just get it done. I, I do, if there, if there are rules, uh, I would follow them, especially if you're in the co-host model um, the last thing you want to do when representing your clients is, is not do things the way they're supposed to be legally done. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Um, by the way, I can't believe I haven't asked, asked this question yet. Goat Hoat. Why Goat Hoat? I think we were, when we, when we first got started, it was just like, okay, we, we need to stand out. This is such a saturated industry, especially, especially then, you know, there was Saunder and Lyric and all these big players and then a million of us and it was like we need to do something to stand out and and be memorable for and um yeah we 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 thought go you know let's if we're gonna do this let's let's be the greatest of all time and we're really big into travel and and food and and everything like that so we said you know what we're gonna 
we're going to stand out by coming in here and no matter where our unit is or how nice our unit is or you know, how expensive our unit is, we're going to make sure these people have the best time ever while they're in town. And so I, I get the goat part. What's the hope part? It's a uh, play on hotel. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That it, greatest it, of all time hotel. Okay. Very good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and you guys say a lot that it's the year of the goat. Uh, where, where does that come from? Yeah. Uh, it's just us. Yeah. Being excited, doing yep. some affirmations. It's our, it's our year, you know? I love it. Okay. Um, last question here. We really didn't talk much about this, but I know you guys have done a great job of building uh, your team around virtual assistants and um, you have uh, a few. So Kyle also asked, what are some of the things you guys did beforehand to prepare yourself for hiring VAs, any specific learning materials or trainings that you created? So we listened to a lot of podcasts. We kind of did uh, spend a good time on education, but truthfully, the best thing I could say is just kind of getting started. Um, I had no experience with this. And the next thing you know, I was kind of more operations. Michael did the finance and client outreach. And so we did it for the first year. I was answering every, we didn't have the technology where I wish we would have with automated messaging, but we got up to about 13 or 14 properties. And I was still messaging every guest. I was pre-sending every code. I was setting alarms on my phone. So I really dove into it and basically went to hell and back with this, uh, with this experience and was able to document. Um, once we had our team, we hired three right away. We were going to hire one, but we were so impressed um, with the level of talent we were able to find for the price. Um, and then you spend a lot of time. It takes about a good year to get someone fully, fully trained up. Mm. And I probably stayed in it longer than, um, than I should have. But right now we have a team of five um, that basically cover us around the clock 24 seven. And with that, it's just trying to get them to be where you, they could be 80% of what, uh, if we did it ourselves. So there are still um, emergencies or messages and we're still involved a little bit, but being able to take off the majority of the back and forth and the little, it just frees you up to do to do more and continue to work on those systems to always improve them. It's a, it's a tough business. There's no black and white answer. There's a lot of gray areas and you make a hundred decisions a day and you know, I'm, I'm lucky to get 60% of them. Right. So it's, so, so I've got a backup question on that. You said, you know, it took like a year to really get them fully trained up. Do you think that was uh, that, that that's a standard or do you think that, you know, now that you have um, either better onboarding or better, trainings that it's easier to bring someone on and takes less time to really fully get them integrated it definitely be easier now but it is still there is still just like um there's still a little bit of a language barrier or mm. on a decision experience factor too or like yeah. as many systems as we put in place you cannot avoid the judgment calls in mm. in guest management there's so many unique situations and you can just tell after they have enough experience there's just that they get it they know mm. okay i need to you know, be hospitable, but I should make these types of decisions. That's good. One or two places to find a virtual assistant. So we started with onlinejobs.ph, which was great. I was, but truthfully, I'm not a headhunter, so I was going through all these um, resumes, and then I was interviewing a bunch, and I, I like everybody, so it was, it was tough for me to kind of go through and kind of go through uh, the three I wanted to start with, and it worked out well, mm -hmm. but. There's, um, oh, what is it? Um, virtual Staff Finder. Virtual Staff Finder. You pay a $500 upfront fee. They give you um, 
you list out everything that you're looking for in a, in a virtual assistant and they'll set you up with three uh, to interview. And you can hire one, you could hire all three. And if you were to pass on all three, they would find three more. Um, we ended up, one didn't have uh, Airbnb experience, two did. One is now our manager and the one who didn't um, have Airbnb um, experience is probably one of our friendliest, uh, just a great hard worker. We need nice. everyone to have her attitude. Yes. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. I, I know uh, virtual staff finder was something you guys recommended to me and our mastermind that we're in. And it's, I just submitted and they're doing their, their search right now for me. So I'm excited because I'm like you, Peter, I am not a headhunter. Like I had tried hiring a couple of virtual assistants and just due to lack of time in my life, I was just like, okay, cool. You want the job? Let's bring you on, you know? And I didn't put them through any sort of prequal and three month mistakes, both of them. And so it was to know that someone else is going to do that for me. Like I said, if, if you suck at it, then outsource it. So virtual staff finder, I suck at it. Hopefully their outsourcing is going to, their delegation is going to be a lot better than mine. Um, Guys, this has been so valuable today. So excited for all of your success, for all of the growth that you saw during COVID. Is there any uh, last words that you have for our audience uh, before we jump off here? Uh, really just we're, we're always looking to grow. So, and we're always open to partners. So if there's anybody that uh, out there that wants to do some stuff together or we're always looking for new units or clients. So if you know people uh, that own properties and want to put them up on short-term rentals, or you know of properties that'd be a good purchase, you know, we have, we have money, we have, we have investors and clients. Um, if you bring us something and we end up working together, you know, we'll, we'll, or even if it's just a referral to a client, we, we always offer, you know, a, a 10, we'll cut you into 10% of our, of our side, essentially. That's awesome. And that can be anywhere in the U S Exactly. Yeah, we're we're uh, very much all about uh, building remote teams now. So uh, we can we can do it anywhere. Super cool. Uh, where can people connect with you? Oh, uh, what do we like best? Probably uh, goathode at gmail.com. Yeah, is probably uh, the best place. So we'll Perfect. see. It. Perfect. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. But for those of you that are driving right now, goathode is G-O-A-T-H-O-T-E, just like how it sounds. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us today and uh, helping our audience to conquer the world of investing. Really appreciate you. Show notes for this one are fearlesskyle.com forward slash goat hote. That's G-O-A-T-H-O-T-E. Uh, I love their story. I love the ambition that both these have, these guys have. Um, and you know, even when we got off the the call, I talked to them a little bit more and they are just like, they want to get huge. They've already got 60 units. They want to get to triple digits and beyond. So if you know of anyone that needs help with managing their properties, what a great opportunity to um, link up with Michael and Peter bring them a property and earn some cash flow. Uh, you know, essentially what they were talking about there is if they make a thousand dollars per month, you're going to get cut, cut in at 10% of that. So you'll make a hundred dollars per month just for a referral. That is passive income. We want to build up all of our passive income streams, right? So what better way to do that than to help out Peter and Michael who are running their business professionally. They're giving their guests a great, uh, a great experience and giving their hosts a great experience as well. So that's going to do it today for the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of investing, conquer the world of Airbnb. We'll see you next time.